Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. In today's episode, we go to beautiful Jacksonville, Florida for the 61st annual Florida State AA Convention. I was invited by our friend Glenn G to participate in a panel for agnostics and free thinkers in AA. So join Glenn, Ashley, and myself as we share our experience, strength, and hope as agnostics and atheists in AA. So let's start with, um, my name is Glenn and I am an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is 6709. My home group is Beaches Agnostic and Free Thinkers in Jacksonville Beach. We meet every Saturday morning at 8:10. If you're ever around, come join us. Um, I want to take this opportunity to thank Ruth, who is the chairman of this year's convention committee. Uh, my mentor and friend David Sachs uh, gave me her phone number, and I reached out to her about a year ago, year and a half ago, and asked her about possibly putting on this workshop. And she got right on board and supported it through the whole process. And without her we wouldn't be here today. So if you would, if you ever see or, or, or run into Ruth, let her know that, uh, thank her for that, because she was very helpful with that. Um, I'm what's known in the uh, rooms as a double-digit relapser. Uh, I relapsed after 17 years of sobriety in 2007. And when I came back into the rooms in June of 2009, um, my relapse had destroyed me just like my drug and alcohol use had destroyed me before I got sober in 1989. I was wrecked physically, <laughs> mentally, and spiritually. I was a wreck. Um, I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I used the principles of those steps and the help of many people in this fellowship to rebuild my life one year at a time. And during that time at Pimmon Road at our clubhouse, um, there was a gentleman, and he uses his full name, so I don't mind using it. His name was Bill Busser, who was really funny and had all great things to share. Bill had a favorite saying that I used to hear when he'd say, and I'd go, oh, whatever. And it went a little like this. It said, um, at five years, when you pick up your chip, there's going to be a loud popping sound. He'd pause and he'd say, and that pop is your head popping out of your butt. And he didn't use butt, but anyway, and I, you know, would roll my eyes. So June of 2014 rolls up and pop. That was my experience. And in June of 14, I had the clarity and the courage because of the process of sobriety that AA had afforded me to come out and say, you know, I'm being dishonest with myself, everybody in the program, and everybody that knows me. Because I don't believe in a God, and I don't have a God. I'm an atheist. And that started what I call my summer of discontent. Um, and that summer consisted of me becoming angrier, more isolated, and more scared. Because the more meetings I went to, 
all I got, all I could hear was God. I didn't hear all the other wonderful things that were being said, and there was, as usual, always wonderful things being said. So in August of that summer, I discovered that we had an agnostic secular meeting here in Jacksonville. Meets still meets today on Arlington Expressway at 7.30 on Tuesday nights at the Universalist Church. So I went to that meeting. It still didn't cure my ills, but I went to that meeting. And through some people that were at that meeting, I heard about, for the first time ever, there was going to be an international AA convention for atheists, agnostic, and free thinkers in Santa Monica, California in November of 2014. And I'd saved up my little bit of money to go surfing in El Salvador like I love to do. And instead, me and another mentor friend of mine uh, went to Santa Monica instead. And the conference was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was a very small one. It was the first one. And on Saturday afternoon of that conference, <clears throat> I found myself in the patio, the courtyard, with tears running down my cheeks tears of joy because I was so happy because I wasn't alone anymore there was 300 people there from five countries around the world they all didn't believe like I did they all didn't have my beliefs but we were all unified in that we were members of Alcoholics Anonymous and we were secular that, that experience at that convention motivated me to quickly come home to Jacksonville and start a meeting in Atlantic Beach that started in December of 2014. And we've been meeting every Saturday since. It's slowly grown. And my calling, for lack of a better word, has become to be there for that next individual like myself who thinks AA won't work for them because of the God stuff or because of the age stuff or I don't care what the stuff is. Because my experience is I know what happens if AA doesn't work for me. So that led to this workshop. One of our first regular members and our first intergroup rep was our first speaker, Ashley. Um, she came and she loved our meeting and she supported it, and she represented us at Intergroup. And I want to close this portion before I introduce Ashley with one of the things that was a big topic at the first international convention was all the negativity that a lot of the agnostic secular meetings had met from Intergroup and other places around the country. That has not been our experience here in Jacksonville, Florida. We have been welcomed with open arms. They have helped us at intergroup and at the area level in any way we can because we are AA. We're the same AA as any other AA. We're a group of alcoholics trying to help each other stay sober. So with that, I'll turn it over to our first speaker, Ms. Ashley. I'm a little shorter than Glenn. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you guys uh, for all being here. Uh, I'm Ashley, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, uh, I'm also every form of addict that you can possibly think of. Um, if I like it, I'll, I'll do as much of it as I possibly can. Um, so I've been sober since uh, January 13th, which is Friday the 13th, 2012. Uh, it's my lucky day, surprisingly. 
Um, and what I mean by sober is I refrain from any mood or mind-altering substances. And by that, if you look over there, that's my six-month-old son that was born in a bathtub um, with no drugs. So, so that's what I mean by sober. Um, and I'm also agnostic. And so let me read that for anyone that's uh, wondering what the precise definition is. Agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or anything beyond material phenomena, a person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. Um, so just a little bit about me. I went to 12 years of Catholic school. I know that's really unique in the rooms of AA. Um, and growing up, I had terrible, terrible existential anxiety from a very young age. My mom found this little note I wrote to her when I was four years old that said, Mom, I love you so much, I wish we could stay together forever. And that was that, like, you know, peering into that existential anxiety. Um, and so growing up, I was really, really pious. My mom thought I was going to be a nun. Uh, let's all laugh about that for a second. Um, so I actually convinced her to go through RCIA and become Catholic. And uh, if we ever missed church on Sunday, I was like, we need to go to confession because we're going to go to hell. Um, so I was, I was all about it, man. I was an altar server, um, but I still had this terrible existential anxiety. So I was just really holding on to this faith, hoping that it would just click one day. If I kept practicing and if I kept doing all the right things, it's going to click one day and I'm going to have this faith that everyone talks about and this peace. Um, until I was 18, I, I, I was really in my addiction, my alcoholism, um, and I just gave up on that. I was like, you know what? If it's out there, I don't. It, it doesn't like care about me. I don't care about it. Whatever. Um, and through getting sober, so I uh, I got involuntarily put into a really nice rehabilitation program with locking doors and plastic beds, um, where this woman, you know, we're in this group, and the the leader of the group is like, hey, is there anyone in here that believes that they're not an alcoholic or an addict? And of course, all of us. We were like, none of us are. But we knew not to say anything. So this lady raises her hand, and she's like, I'm not. And I was like, what are you doing? It's a trap. You're never going to leave here. So she's like, I'm not. You know, I just like to smoke crack. And, you know, this was going on in my head. So I was, uh, I was like, oh, man, that's what it sounds like when it's said out loud. Okay. Uh, I might have a problem. Um, so that is what I like to consider my psychic change. Some people call it a spiritual awakening. That is what I call my psychic change. Um, a lot of people in the room say, you know, you can't fix this with this. And my argument to that is my previous this is not the same this. I did a lot of work um, from that moment. I, I really, like I said, I'm an addict of all things. So I was in school at the time. I switched my major to psychology. I was going to be a counselor. I did follow through with that you know that dream luckily um, didn't waste a whole bunch of money um, but that's you know that was my experience and I jumped into the program I went to AA I felt like I fit in but I didn't feel like I belonged because of my agnosticism and everybody always told me you know just try just try it like you'll be contacted just try it um, after you know, after my first meeting, I went home. I read Bill's story, and I was like, "Wow, this is my life! Like this is me." 
And then I read a chapter to the agnostics. And I had a really big issue with it. I was like, no, but we, we do know how electricity works. Um, <laughs> science. Uh, so, so I had a really big problem with that. But I, what I took away from it is see where they're right. So I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see where they're right, and I'm going to try this thing. I was dating someone at the time who was a stout uh, atheist, and I was like, look, if you can't go to church with me and be Christian, we're going to have to break up. We had been together uh, like two years. Um, and he was like, I can't do that. Like, I don't, I don't believe that. And I was like, I'm going to. I'm going to believe that. So I really tried. I, I started reading a lot um, of like religious stuff. I you know I started praying. I listened to everything they told me to do. You know I was I was doing all you know all all the things that they said. I was you know thanking God. And when I got to the rooms, they were like, Oh man, God put that woman in there for you to hear what she had to say so that you would have that change. My ego ate it up. I was like, You're right. <laughs> Her whole existence was because of me. Um, <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I could do this. So the years went on, and after uh, s- some weird phenomena happens in the rooms that, like, when you, when you don't have any time and you say you're agnostic or atheist, you get laughed at, and you get, like, a lot of, um, I, I, should say, I should say me, I got a lot of um, pushback, a lot of laughs, a lot of, like, just keep coming back. You'll change your mind. Um, and then the more sober time I got... The, the more those people like backed off and they were like, oh, you're, you're still agnostic? I was like, yeah, and it's working for me. And they're like, how many years do you have now? I'm like, oh, five and a half. And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, all right, all right, okay. <laughs> so then they back off. Um, so, you know, I, I always tell people, like, just, just keep doing everything that's suggested because even more will be revealed. And what I mean by that is, I did everything in, in the traditional AA, um, and then I found WAFT. And so normal meetings in AA, I don't know if you guys have been to many meetings that um, really talk about like the Judeo-Christian God, a lot of like, Jesus Christ is my savior, all that kind of stuff. Um, that would make me really angry. I would get so angry when I heard that in the beginning. I would get just, I, I would just shut down, be on my phone, I'd just, I, I can't get anything from this meeting. So I kept going, I kept going, and then it progressed a little bit, so I got really passive-aggressive. So when someone would like be like, Jesus Christ is my savior, I'd be like, cool, flying spaghetti monster is mine. Um, and I would, get, I would just be really not a, not a good, light-hearted, like, kind, welcoming person like I normally am. Um, so then I found Waft. And it was amazing. Our first location was uh, in an art gallery. So if, immediately when I walk in, I'm like, I'm home. I just, I felt this peace. Same thing Glenn was talking about. Um, I'm sure my husband remembers when I came home that first day, I was like, you're never going to believe this. I have so many quotes that I can post as my Facebook statuses. This meeting was amazing. There was just so much wisdom in it. And it was just, it was incredible. And... That's when that really, like, to thine own self be true came into play. I realized I, that's not, you know, I, I haven't been who I am. I've been living this lie, and I've been trying to force this, like, triangle little block into this square hole, and it's not fitting, and I'm getting frustrated. And coming to Waft, like, 
it just gave me a whole new perspective. Um, it opened so many doors. There's so many, like, I found the alternative 12 steps. I was like, wow, there's a Buddhist non-theist 12 step? Like, this is amazing. Um, and it really, it really helped me with prayer. Because as an agnostic, I love meditation. I love the 11th step. I meditate and I pray. And everyone's like, what are you praying to? And I was like, I don't know. And in the Buddhist steps, it says, uh, you know, use prayer as a means to cultivate positive ideals. And that just cured this cognitive dissonance that I had from my prayer. Because I would be praying and I would just try and put a name on it. I'd try and, you know, justify it because I, I just didn't, it felt good, but I didn't know why. And that allowed me to just take a step back and be like, you don't need to figure out why. You can just do it and know that it feels good and it's good for you. And that, um, you know, that, that was amazing for me. Um, I've also taken a lot of different people through the steps. So I've taken people through the steps that were agnostic. I've taken people through the steps that are Buddhist, taken them through the steps that they're atheist. Um, I've actually taken Christian people through the steps, and they're actually my favorite to take through the steps because if anything happens in their life that's like, you know, too overwhelming or something, I'm like, just pray about it. God has a plan. Um, and it's not and it's not condescending. It's like they really believe that, and I will absolutely use that like to help them. Like it just because I don't believe me, I've tried and I wish I could. It's it I envy it. Um, but that, you know, I'll I'll use that to my advantage for sure. Um, so it's just it's been like the most amazing, amazing ride. Um, I get so I work in treatment and I get so many people that come up to me and say, I want to leave. I don't believe in the 12 steps. I want to go try SMART. I'm like, okay, that's great. You can do that. You can try SMART. But will you? what about like the 12 step do you not like? And nine out of 10 times, it's the God thing. So I'm able, you know, people always say like, oh, it's a different sect of AA. You're not AA. But, you know, maybe not here, but other places. And that's just, it's, the opposite, complete opposite. Any of those people, I say, you know what? If it's the God thing, there's still AA for you. There's still this whole world that no one knows about. And I'm so, I'm just so grateful to be the person that's, you know, able to come up here and share my experience, strength, and hope, and just spread this word of it. Um, my poor mother is still really upset. I'm not Catholic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing world. Um, I Like I said, I have a six-month-old son. I have a husband. I got my master's degree. Um, I'm 26 years old, and I have a house that I bought. And I have all these outside things, which surprisingly I had a lot of before sobriety. Um, but now I have this internal peace. It's just undeniable. It's absolutely incredible um i i just can't even you know i can't even put into words how amazing my life is um and i'm always seeking you know that's that's the main thing of the program of traditional aa that i've held on to i never cease seeking if it's out there i'm gonna find it period and i'm open to anyone's experience i'm not shut off if someone says oh man you really need to read this like you know, daily Bible verse, I'm like, great, that has a lot of good stuff in it. 
if I don't cheat on my spouse and I don't lie and I don't kill people, I'm probably going to have a pretty decent life. Like, it's probably going to be a good time and I'm going to feel pretty good about myself. Um, and so it's, it's just mind-boggling, to say the least. Um, my first sponsor that I got was, uh, was Christian. And she, she was like, well, how, how do you want to do these steps? And I was like, I don't know. You tell me. Like, you're the boss. Um, and she was like, okay, well, what about nature? How do you feel about nature? And I was like, I mean, I like it. It's cool. I'll hang out in it. Like, I like hiking and, like, being on the water and stuff. Like, I like it. And she was like, okay. See that stick over there? And I was like, yeah. She was like, stick doesn't have a drinking or a drug problem. You can use that stick as your higher power if you want. And I was like, all right, that'll work for now, I guess. That's cool. And as my time in AA has progressed, I've been able to uh, to steal some verbiage from, from one of our other group members, believe in the collective consciousness of AA. And just tap into that because, you know, I, I don't believe that I fixed myself, for sure. It took other people outside of myself to help me to change the way my brain works to be able to make sound decisions. Because before, I couldn't make sound decisions. You're absolutely right. I, I just was not able. I wouldn't have gotten sober if I wasn't escorted in handcuffs to this really really nice uh, rehabilitation facility. Um, I wouldn't have done it. I was kicking and screaming the whole way. Um, and so, is it odd or is it God? I think it's coincidental. Um, so, I don't know. I know that uh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I know that my life is wonderful for stories. I have great stories. Um, I've run the full gamut of living horribly wrong and living amazingly right in what I consider to be right, which is acting with these principles in my life on an everyday basis. And so I have the full spectrum, and I can definitely say that this is much better. Um, I, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this is my life. And I'm just so grateful. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's all I got. Is that good on time? You're good enough. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, let me turn this up. So uh, a couple of years goes by, and in November of last year, they have the second biannual. They do them biannual, and our third one will be up in Canada, um, International Convention. And it was in Austin, Texas. And by that time, uh, a group of us uh, from the Tuesday night meeting decided to go, and I think there was three or four of us total. And uh, we went over to Austin, Texas for a wonderful four-day convention. Uh, as, as conventions go, nothing on the scale of this, but uh, there was more people at this one than the first one. And um, it was much more organized and uh, you know, and not as rewarding and emotional as the first one for me. But by that time, uh, another peculiar development in my, my recovery uh, was beginning to take place, and that is, is that um, I have people in, in online groups, in coffee houses, people that I've never met face-to-face -face in AA and in recovery 
that I consider AA people, my AA friends. And um, our next speaker uh, is one of those that the first the first convention was such a blur for me that you know other than uh, you know the things that stood out to me emotionally um, I, the people I just really didn't you know remember that much. But John, um, who started uh, a website and a coffee house and. Uh, a place that I participate in on a regular basis um, was at the second convention and we got to spend some time together and by this time this workshop was starting to formulate in my head before I'd even talked to Ruth and uh, well actually after talking to Ruth that's not correct um, and I was kind of looking around the convention for people that I might want to try to bring in for a speaker and John and I somehow wound up talking for a long period of time in between meetings one day and I just said you know would would you consider speaking in Jacksonville in the summer in Johnson Kansas City and I figured yeah well you know the play I'd love to and um, I was like really oh yeah so I was like okay you're a speaker so uh, John has graciously flown himself in on his own dime from Kansas City and um, he has a wonderful story um, 29 years in the program and um, without uh, further ado my friend John yes oh goodness well thank you Glenn uh, thank you for inviting me to participate in the workshop and thank you um, Beaches Agnostics for the great meeting this morning Always, always good to have a meeting. It was nice to see the group from the treatment center come in. I understand that they're doing that at my home group now in Kansas City, which is nice to see. Um, so I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I thought that I would start with just a little brief description of what got me to AA to begin with. Um, I, I got sober. Uh, my last drink was on July 20th of 1988. And uh, just before my uh, 26th birthday, I went to my first AA meeting, which was in the first week of August of 1988. Um, so I started drinking pretty young. Um, I won't say that I was an alcoholic from the very first drink, but I can't remember a time I ever had a, you know, a glass of wine or you know, a swig of whiskey uh, where I didn't want some more. So it's just something that kind of progressively got worse over time to where it really began to consume my life. And I wasn't the type of drinker that honestly deliberately went out to get drunk, although I probably did from time to time. But I was one of those people that would say, I'm just going to have a few after work to unwind and relax. And the next thing I know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm closing down the bars. I also got to be a blackout drinker. Um, so the next day was... Um, one of uh, you know deep depression and fear and paranoia um, that you know not knowing what I'd done and trying to piece things together and also fear that somebody might have seen me you know or what God knows so I had that going on I also started getting arrested for different things um, a lot of things just stupid minor things like if they ever gave me a speeding ticket or anything I never paid them and then if they ever gave me another they ever pull me over something they have to arrest me for the speeding ticket I never paid so I was having that kind of stuff happen a lot of time but then I also started um, getting DUIs 
And that was really kind of getting serious because this is the 1980s. And at that time, you know, they're more serious now, but they were starting to get pretty serious about it then. And after my first DUI, I swore, you know, that I would kind of get it under control. Um, and then a year later, I got a second DUI. And uh, they, went, they, took, they, they sent me to some class, and I said, okay, I'm going to get this under control. And then I got this job at a bank where I was um, repossessing cars, basically. That was what I was doing. I was repossessing cars. So I had to drive their cars around. And uh, when they found out about my two previous DUIs after hiring me, they told me, they said, listen, you, if you ever get another DUI, you better tell us because we're going we're to fire you. Um, I said, oh, I said, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. Well, um, during the time that I worked there, um, I was having, I was drinking out of control, and um, they would talk to me about it from time to time because they would notice, you know, I'd be coming in late and I'd be coming in hungover, um, that kind of thing. And finally, I got that third DUI, and uh, I didn't tell them about it, and they found out. And when they found out, they they brought me to the HR um, office. And they reminded me of all the opportunities they had given me while I worked there um, to get help. And uh, they reminded me of what they told me if I got that third DUI. And then they terminated my employment. And I was sitting there in that office. And with tears coming down my face, I told them I just didn't know I had a problem. And that was the truth. I felt it was the truth. But what I know now, looking back on it, it, it wasn't that I didn't know I had a problem, but what I know now is I couldn't admit that I had a problem. And it really wasn't until they confronted me and let me go that I was finally able to admit that I had a problem. And it wasn't because I'm, you know, I was trying to improve myself. <laughs> I was just scared to death of what had happened to my life. Um, so um, I made it to that first AA meeting. And the reason it took two weeks from my last drink to my first meeting is because during that two-week period, uh, my employer didn't know about my debacle. <laughs> so after they found out, that's when I made, made it to that first meeting. And when I got to that meeting, I was the first one to arrive in the room. And I remember this just as if it happened yesterday, and this is a long time ago. And um, right in front of me were the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And I remember reading that first step. We admitted we were alcohol. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives became unmanageable. And I honestly felt that was a perfect description of my life at the time. I'd never seen those words before or read those words, but I really felt that is what's happening. And then I also happened to see the third tradition, that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. And that was a relief because it gave me no more excuses. My, my problem as a young person, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I was thinking I had a problem as young as 19. And I wouldn't go to AA or seek help because I always told myself I was too young. And I was still kind of telling myself that when I was walking into the door of my very first AA meeting. I wasn't quite sure I could put that label alcoholic on me. So seeing that third tradition that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, that is what I needed to read. That's what I needed to know because I did have that. And I still do. I had a desire to stop drinking because things had just gotten so bad. And then the people filtered into the room, and where I'm from, and maybe they do it here too, 
they give a newcomer a first step meeting, which is when they go around the room and they share their stories. And people share their stories and I could identify, maybe not necessarily with exactly how they drank or the specific problems, but how they felt about what was going on with their lives and their drinking. And I knew I was in the right place and I knew I had to keep coming back and I did. And I came to meetings, and I came to meetings, and I came to meetings. AA has always been an integral part of my life, especially the first decade. It was probably the, 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 the center focus part of my life. Um, I went to a group that um, was very much into studying the big book. And they were really into sponsorship. And they were into what we called in Kansas City the drill. And the drill is that you start your day on your knees and you ask God to give you that day of sobriety. And then you read the big book, you call your sponsor, and then you finish the day on your knees thanking God for that day of sobriety. And that's the drill. And when I would go to meetings, you would often hear people talk about how they never forget to do the drill. And often people would say, nobody ever got drunk when they do the drill. <laughs> Well, eventually I stopped doing the drill and I was staying sober. <laughs> but anyway, um, we also studied the big book and we believed in working the step as it's written in the, in the books. And what we would do, we would get with our sponsor and our sponsors would have us read the book repetitively. So like in the beginning, I would read a chapter every day for 30 days and my sponsor would tell me that if I missed a day, I had to start all over again. Well, in the beginning, I was honest about it and if I missed a day, I told him I had to start all over again. So I read the doctor's opinion more than any other chapter in the book because after a while I picked on, I picked up on, I didn't really have to tell him that I missed a day. <laughs> I still read it a lot though. So we read that book, we studied the book, we highlighted it, we underlined it, we talked about it, we shared our experiences with each other as it related to the book. When I went to meetings, I shared my experience in the language of that book. And as I looked around the rooms, the heads would bob up and down with approval that yes, he's, he's saying what we like to say here, he's saying all the good things. And you know, life was getting good. My life was stabilizing. I was getting better jobs. I was, uh, my, my money management was, was getting better. You know, my credit was getting better. After about 10 years of sobriety, I started living about more of my life outside of the rooms of AA. And also during this time, I didn't really get into the belief part, but I, I was never a very religious person. I didn't grow up going to church or anything. And I just kind of figured with AA, I, I just kind of went along and I just did what they, they said to do. And I guess I, I, I did follow that advice to fake it till you make it, you know, and I just kind of went through and did things. And I try to rationalize in my head that there's some psychological benefit to doing these things. And I did latch on to the entire psychic change in the big book. And those are kind of how I kind of justified and rationalized the program. But after about 25 years of sobriety, I realized that I was an atheist. And, um, I, I, it happened really over a period of time, um, but I read some books. I read The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, and I read God is Not Great by Christopher Hitchin. I also read a lot about science, and I just realized, you know, I'm comfortable with this worldview of being an atheist. But I was concerned that I would not be welcomed in AA because I did not know anyone but one other person who was an atheist. Um, and that guy was kind of, you know, good humored and everybody kind of made fun of him. <laughs> but um, so uh, I was really concerned about it. But what I did, I went back to the big book. But this time, instead of a highlighter, I brought a black um, Sharpie. 
And what I would do is I'd go through the big book and I would read the, the experience of those people when they were working the steps. And it was what I found is that a lot of the, the religious language was kind of superfluous because, you know, I'd go through a paragraph and would talk about some specific action that we would take. And then at the end of the paragraph, there would be a sentence talking about how it brought us closer to God, or there'd be a sentence talking about how now we are, God empowers us to do, you know, X, Y, Z, or whatever. Um, there's, you always get that, you do this, God does that, God does this, you do that type of thing. But when I cross out the God part, all that action was still in there. And I got really comfortable with this. I also got online and I started learning about how other atheists were interpreting the program and I learned about these alternative steps and I wrote my own version of the steps. And man, the program was really coming to life for me. I really got excited about AA. I was reinvigorated. I thought, wow, this is awesome. And I was very, very happy and comfortable with my new view of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'd go to my home group and I began to share in this new vernacular my new secular approach. And maybe it was my imagination, but I don't think it was quite as well received as when I was speaking of, from the books. And, you know, you'd get the rolling eyes, you'd get the, you know, this kind of thing. And every once in a while, somebody would have to explain the big book to me as if I had not read it before. Um, and, and, and it was getting very frustrating. It was getting, it was, getting, it, it was depressing. Because I'd known these guys for 25 years, and I felt like I had to walk on eggshells when I went to that group. I felt like I really couldn't be myself. And finally, I decided, I went, up, I went up to that one other atheist that I knew, and after learning about these agnostic groups, and I asked him if he would like to start an AA group for agnostics and atheists, and he said, yeah. So we did. We started We Agnostics Kansas City. And we started meeting every Thursday night at the Unitarian Universalist Church there um, at 7 o'clock. And after, you know, six, seven months, though, we had a nice little crowd, six, seven people or so. Um, and then I went to um, the convention in Santa Monica, and I met Glenn, and I met many, many other people from all over the world who have been agnostics and atheists. And this has just been an amazing discovery. Um, all this time in AA, I never knew about this whole world of um, atheists in AA. But the truth of the matter is, we atheists have been in AA from the very beginning. It was Jim Burwell was one of the very first members of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first 10 members of AA. And he was a strident atheist and was until he died um, sober um, after many years of sobriety. He was responsible for adding the verbiage in the 12 steps as we understood him when we we're referencing God. And later, Bill Wilson, when he talked about the beginnings of AA, he credited those atheists and agnostics in the early days with helping to widen the gateway of recovery for everybody, regardless of their belief or not their non-belief. So we atheists and agnostics have been here from the very beginning building this fellowship, and we're still doing that today. And I didn't know. But I got plugged in at Santa Mon at San in Santa Monica with this group of people. And we came back from Santa Monica and we stayed in touch. We stayed in touch through social networking, through Facebook, and through the internet. One thing that I got involved in, um, I got involved with general service starting, my AA, starting our AA group in Kansas City. I, I felt it was really important that we be good AA citizens because I know that there were some AA groups, secular AA groups, in different places that were, they had a hard time with their central office. We didn't have that experience. Now, later I did learn that there were some debates in our central office about whether or not to list our group 
but they finally decided that the tradition said that they had to list our group, that every AA group has a right to be wrong. <laughs> so they listed us. But we immediately had a central office rep, an, an intergroup rep, and I acted as the GSR for the first two years. And we were very welcomed at our district. Um, I started going to the area assemblies in Sedalia, Missouri. We're in um, the western area of Missouri. And um, it was, it, you, we, it was I, I liked it. And the thing I liked about getting involved in that type of service work is that we were really involved in getting things done and doing things. And no, we didn't have to talk about the belief and higher power or any of that kind of stuff. Um, they do insist on saying the Lord's Prayer at the end of every one of their committee meetings, but other than that, there's no, no big issues. Um, but another thing I got involved with, with regard to service, was in the secular AA movement. And um, I got involved um, when I was in Santa Monica, actually before the convention in Santa Monica, I met the woman who was um, one of the people who started that convention, Dorothy H. And Dorothy um, had this idea of starting an organization called, we were going to call it Waft Central. And what it was going to be based on, there's there, there's a organization for um, gays and lesbians and Alcoholics Anonymous you might be aware of called GALA. And what GALA does is they, they um, um, advocate for their for their membership for for gays and lesbians and Alcoholics Anonymous and they encourage them to be involved in sharing their experience with the rest of the fellowship and that's what we wanted to do with WAF Central so we built this website where we had all of the um, international all of the meetings listed from all over the world we had um, materials for how to start meetings we started this Facebook group and we had we started building a network of people from all over the world atheists and agnostics and new groups were starting up all over the place I did that for a couple of years, and then we, t we handed that off, and now there's a new website that is representing our community. It's just called secularaa.org, and we're kind of moving away from the atheist agnostic to the more secular um, verbiage. But anyway, so now if you go to secularaa.org, you see all that information. You see the, the directory of, of um, agnostic meetings, secular meetings all over the world. If you wanted to start an AA meeting for agnostics and atheists, all that information is up there on that website. Um, also during that time, um, I got to know people um, in Canada that were very influential on me, um, that really kind of spurred me into getting involved with service and so forth. But one of these people had a website called AA Agnostica. And it was really one of the um, more popular websites for secular people in AA. And basically, it just has articles, you know, written by atheists and agnostics in AA sharing their experience. And the guy who ran that, Roger C., um, thought he was going to retire. He never did. <laughs> but he said he thought he was. And he said, John, I would like for you to build a website that would carry on the work of AA Agnostica. I thought, oh, OK. OK, yeah, I'll do that. So we did. We, we built a website called AA Beyond Belief. And what that is, it's a website. It's kind of multimedia, but it has, um, it's like a grapevine for atheists and agnostics in AA where people contribute stories. So people from our community, they, they can send in the story and we post it there. We also have audio versions that we post there. And then we do a podcast, and I, I get to do the podcast, um, which has been an, an incredible experience in and of itself. Speaking with, I've done 62 of them now, and so I've spoken with um, agnostics and atheists from all over the world, and they share their, their experience on the podcast. Um, they, they tell their story, like what we're doing here, what it's like to be an atheist in AA. And um, 
and then starting to talk to people who have written books, you know, um, about how to interpret the program in a secular way. Um, so that's that's just been incredible, and we get we get feedback occasionally that that's pretty humbling of people that you know have not heard that there are people like them in the program, and um, so when they hear someone share their story on the podcast, it's very meaningful, and they always write in to to let us know. So that's very gratifying, and it motivates me to keep doing it. So if you have a chance, you want to check that out. So. I don't know. Have I taken up my time? Okay. I don't know if I really have too much more to say. I do hope that that we've all shared enough here, though, that might provoke you to ask some questions about, um, you know, agnostics and atheists and Alcoholics Anonymous. And and I do want to thank you all here. Um, I hope that we get to do this in in Missouri uh, at our next state convention uh, in 2018. This is the first time I've ever been to a state AA convention, and it's been an incredible experience, and it's been so nice to meet people here and just to have the nice vibes, you know, just riding the elevator with happy people. <laughs> it's nice. So thank you very much. Um, so... When I was thinking about doing this workshop, what I uh, modeled it after was in Atlanta at the International Convention. They had three workshops, basically, with different titles that were for the secular segment. And um, the one I enjoyed the most was done like this, where there was a moderator that uh, had something to share, and they had three speakers. It was an hour and a half. And at the end of that, they had a mic, and they encouraged anybody that wanted to share or ask questions to do that. And... Um, you know, now's the time that I'd like to do that and turn this turn this over to you. Um, and please feel free, and I encourage you to share. Um, they are recording our session, so we can purchase these CDs. It's one of the, again, a big shout out to Ruth. Uh, it's one of the workshops that is being recorded. And um, you know, I think it's an important message. And the point of the important message is our primary purpose to help another alcoholic. And, you know, I'll say it now and I'll say it when I close. For that person sitting out there that has been told by somebody in AA that you've got to get God to stay sober. Or for that person out there whose home group makes you walk on eggs. You are not alone. You are not alone. Just reach out. We're here. So please, if anybody would like to share, come up to the mic. We'll answer any questions or we'll just hear your shares. We've got about 10 minutes. Hi, I'm Bethany. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Bethany. Um, I didn't know if they were going to be like taking role at the door or if like people were going to be watching. Um, and I have. Um, you know, years ago, I got the Richard Dawkins book, The God Delusion, and I shared about it at a meeting. And, um, you know, I just felt like a pariah. And one of the fellas that I knew at the meeting, he was like, well, I'll hold your hand for the prayer because I don't think anybody else will want to. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, recently I've, you know, revisited that again and having read um, Christopher Hitchens quite a bit. And I'm just, like, overwhelmed that all these people are here. I'm, like, looking around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys, too. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, you know, I really haven't been sharing or vocal in meetings lately because I don't want to, like, confuse the message. I feel like I've been in AA a while, and, you know, I'm not, like, spreading the message if I spread it without 
God. And so I'm just like, I haven't been nervous to share in like 10 years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like just overwhelmed. And um, I have the sponsor that is um, very, um, you know, Jesus. And um, she, I told her what my views were. And she's like, well, no human power could have relieved um, our alcoholism. And um, I just, um, I have felt like, you know, I haven't been able to sponsor people because it's like disingenuous, you know, like, um, but then, you know, telling people I have like invoked the name of God um, for my sponsees and um, it seems to be working um, because when I was, you know, earlier in recovery, people were praying to my God uh, that I somewhat believed in. And um, I just, you know, is it better to have a sponsor that has my beliefs or do you still go to regular meetings? I mean, I have so many questions. So I guess about the sponsor and do you still go to um, yeah. other meetings? Thank Thanks. you. For me, my experience was when I first um, came out as an atheist, um, I was very angry and um, very, um, my friend Chris over here um, witnessed a lot of it at our clubhouse. I was very snide and snippy and, you know, was it that uh, you people are so stupid face. Uh, what it really was is that I wasn't comfortable with my own beliefs. So as I have become more comfortable in my own skin, and my other friend and mentor, who I won't name because he won't like it, but um, uh, he helped me at a, a breakfast one morning when I was doing this on the counter and telling him I know this and I know that they're wrong. And he said, well, we, we don't really know anything, do we, Glenn? It's what we believe. And that was an epiphany for me. And that has made me, that has awakened me to the fact that that's what I believe. And the people that believe in God, that's their belief and we all have the same rights to our beliefs so it doesn't it melted away from me and yes I go to regular meetings and I try to share my experience strength and hope positively and the reason for that is without fail and I say again without fail every time I share in a big setting three or four people come find me after the meeting because they're sitting there with that emotion so that is my main reason for going to the to the to any meetings besides my own group is to be there for the other alcoholic. Thank you. I'm Charlie, and I turned out to be an alcoholic. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Came as a big surprise one day. Um, in 1980, I went to my first AA meeting, and I left convinced that the only requirement for membership was the, the ability to use the word God in a sentence. <laughs> and uh, I didn't go back for seven more years. And in those seven more years, I almost died a couple of times. And uh, finally, on June 3rd, 1987, I made it here and have stayed sober since then. I was an agnostic then. I am today. I eventually got to where I could say in a meeting, thank God I'm an agnostic. <laughs> and of course that tends to piss some people off once in a while, but that's okay. Because I've, you know, been fortunate to stay sober. And I've had a lot of help just from, you know, sponsors that they had, you know, the God stuff going on and all that kind of thing. And that's fine. That's fine with me. And I sponsor a lot of people who've gotten sober and who are still sober today. The scary part is, is you know, I moved 
and uh, from one city to another and I'd move away and I'd hear one of them would call me a while afterwards and say wow you know I didn't have you around for a sponsor so I went back to the Catholic Church and I'd, what the hell is that all about you know and, but it's kind of funny there's three guys that went back to the Catholic Church and I'm just sitting there saying hey I'm an agnostic and that's what you know I'm not giving them any of this stuff but somehow they found comfort in that and I just thought that was interesting you know so um, but it's been fun We've started in St. Augustine, uh, a We Agnostics group. Mm -hmm. It's not on the list there, but it meets at seven o'clock on Friday night cool. at um, you know one of our one of our recovery centers down there. And uh, um, right away in the first district meeting, some people had come in and sat in the meeting, and they went back to the district meeting and they stood up and they said, "Hey, these guys are not using." the 12 steps as they're written in the big book and so they really shouldn't be in an AA group and fortunately we had a district chairperson who said I suggest to you that you to this person so I suggest to you you go and read the fourth tradition mm -hmm. in the 12 and 12 and you look very hard for the sentence that says every AA group has the right to be wrong just okay. as, as you brought up and, and that's that's uh, you know we've had uh, up 21 people at uh, one of the meetings a couple of weeks ago, which I think is moving along real well. We've been going about three months now, and uh, very happy to have it. So, and you guys were some help. People here in Jacksonville, we came up to some meetings and talked to some people, and we we got a lot of help for that. So, thank you. Agnostic AA is coming along. Thank you. <laughs> Please. I am not a shy woman, but my heart is leaping out of my chest. Um, I just moved to Jacksonville four, four months ago, and I have two sons that know, they know they need the program, and they're not in because of the God thing. Their mother was trained as a Catholic chaplain. When I was 10 years sober, I realized that my religion wasn't working. I got out religion by going to graduate theology. I, I lost it. And I was in a job for 20 years that I couldn't be myself because I was the sole supporter in our family. So my story basically is I'm here, and this is the first time I've ever heard of these meetings, and I've been sober 32 years. And I came to Jacksonville thinking, how am I going to live this program for my kids when I don't believe half the shit that I'm dealt with and it's been like this for years and the women I've surrounded myself with it's been like that for years and um, we just kind of gathered around and just you know said we'll take what we need and leave the rest and um, you young woman said something about you felt you were something and belonged but didn't what was it that you said? Fit in, but didn't belong. You fit in, but you didn't belong, and that's how I am. And um, I just want to thank you. This has just been a spiritual awakening. Um, you'll see me at your meeting. That's all I can say. And I, I do have a question. Did you ever try at your group conscience meetings to talk them out of the Lord's Prayer at the end? This is not a Christian organization. We do not say any prayers at our meetings at all. We do not open or close with a prayer at our, at our group at all. And our district actually just stopped saying the Lord's Prayer. Um, we just voted on that it's just, you know, yeah. look, not everybody's Christian, you right. know, so. 
All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And you're not alone. Yeah, obviously. Um, we'll try to get to as many people as we can. And our meeting opens um, and we close w with the um, responsibility pledge. We don't play at our meeting either. Go ahead. Me? Okay. Yes, ma'am. I am Gail. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Gail. And, I, and I'm definitely an agnostic. And I, I, it's just <laughs> thrilling that you guys are here because uh, some some of you that that are from Jacksonville may or may not agree with me, but it is not the most open-minded place in the world. <laughs> I know, I know. What's she and, talking uh, about? <laughs> so, you know, it's like I've been, I swear to God, I, I feel like I've had to hide that part of me more than some other parts of me that were really pretty funky, you know? I mean, and, you know, and, and the thing is, is if you... If I have actually broken down, and I have said in many, many, many meetings, and people here know me, and they, they, I said, you know, I really have having trouble with that spiritual thing. Well, I've been having trouble with that spiritual thing since um, 1994. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still having trouble. And, and when I say, I just I don't know, the people will go, you'll get it. <laughs> you'll understand <laughs> it. It's like when you struggle, it's because you're wrong. Once you get it. You know, and and I and I'm like, no, I don't want it, and I'm and I'm glad to see that there. I had no idea there was something in Jacksonville. I'm like about to have a, anyway. So I'm really thrilled. I'm really really thrilled that you guys are here, and yes, you shall see me as well. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, real quickly before we run out of time, and uh, is that I want to I want to be clear that uh, under no circumstances or any idea are we trying to be not a part of AA or not trying to change AA. We are just trying to be there to help another alcoholic who may be struggling. And the other thing that John could speak to a lot more quickly than I could is the growth of the secular AA in Alcoholics Anonymous. Can you speak to that real quickly? Well, just real quick, we have over 400 now um, secular AA groups all over the world. And I think that um, AA itself, the growth is stagnating, but not so with our meetings. We're growing by leaps and bounds, and we're hearing all the time new groups starting. Recently, they started groups in Ireland. They're starting a group in South Africa, and there's interest even in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, um, if I'm correct, when we went to the convention, there was 300 and some change, and there's now over 400. Yeah. So it's the fastest growing segment of Alcoholics Anonymous. That is not my opinion. That is documented fact. And I'm talking about groups that are registered with GSO in New York, are registered with their areas and intergroups. They talk a lot in area assembly about the AA is flatlining in membership. The secular community is the fastest growing segment that, um, that's around. I'm Donna Mitchell, and I'm an alcoholic hey, um, Donna. from Southwest Florida. And um, um, I've pretty much been an agnostic and free thinker since I came in to, to AA. Um, I, I'm also a recovering Catholic. Um, but, you know, I had problems all through grade school, Catholic school, because I didn't buy into what they were trying to tell me, and they, I was always getting yelled at. Um, and that was okay. Um, but anyway, um, one of the things that... I have to say is that I can't, I don't feel like I have ever been ostracized in AA. Now I have been told I'm going to hell, and I say, that's your opinion, you know? But then I don't believe in hell, so I'm, no, I'm not going there, okay. you know? And that just kind of 
Okay. They, they don't know what to say. Um, but no, I can't say that I've ever felt ostracized. We have no meetings um, for agnostic meetings um, where I live in, I guess the closest one would be Miami. Um, I looked at that list. Um, but um, I still refer to my, you know, I, I, I talk about God. Mm-hmm. And, but my God is good orderly direction. You know, um, I don't have problems saying the Lord's Prayer because I don't see it as the Christian mm-hmm. Lord's Prayer. You know, I'm asking the universe for, you know, strength and hope and, and all these things by saying the prayer. So I have no problems with that. I'm kind of able to separate that out. Okay. And um, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, Oh, and Ruth is my sister. So you'll tell and Ruth, thank you. And one of the reasons that she was all far putting this on, this is what she told me, is because I have a sister who is agnostic and a free thinker. I was a major in philosophy, you know. Good. <laughs> so, so anyway, right. well, welcome. thank you. Thank you. Um, real quick, we, we're out of time. I'd love to let you share. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, any questions, please find us. We'd be glad to help. Those handouts that we have have wonderful information on them. And let's uh, real quick gra- grab a hand and let's close with the responsibility pledge. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough with another episode for your listening pleasure. Until then, don't drink, go to meetings, and help others.